Assalamu alaikum everyone. Today I will be talking about two very, very big topics, which is fear of missing out and fitting in. And within these two topics, I will be talking about a bunch of little subcategories, such as, you know, wearing the hijab, praying, lifestyle, and whatnot. So inshallah, this will be a beneficial talk to all those that listen for it. So getting straight to the point, I feel like being Muslim, you end up having a lot of fears of not fitting in and moreover fears of missing out because you see people live their life in a certain way and you're not living your life in that way so automatically it rings a bell in your head and you're wondering like is it fun is what are they doing like is it entertaining why can't i do it i wish i could do that like it's just a bunch of thoughts that kind of go through your brain so inshallah today we'll target those so honestly personal insight i still currently go to a high school i bet that's obvious so I still go to high school and in your senior year, honestly, you just learn so many interesting things about people, especially when you're just like on the outside. Like don't talk about it, don't say nothing, just just when you watch what's happening, you learn very, very interesting things about people, about friend groups, about the way that a lot of the things that are actually structured and the way that they actually are, you learn a lot. And it's very, very interesting because a lot of these things are not the way that they seem, especially when it comes to seeing the way that non-Muslims live their lives. I know it's so easy, especially when you're a girl, to like open up Instagram and like see girls from your school, like, you know, taking group pictures or like they're at the club or like they're at some dance party or they're doing something like they're always doing something. And it's always a group of girls having fun. And I've seen it so much and it happens so much in my school. And... You know, especially when you live in, like, I guess, I consider this a small town, okay? I consider this a small town. Where I stay at, I consider it a small town. It's, it's, there's not much to do. So, really, you have to have good friends. So, whatever you do do, it ends up becoming fun. And when you don't already have friends, it, it kind of starts a drought process. Besides the point, whatever it is. You know, you see these people, and they're always living their best life on Instagram, and they're always making plans, always going out to eat. And then, it's just you're at home you know you're at home on your bed looking at their pictures looking at what they're doing and then oh look at that it's us our prayer time and get up and go pray you know like it's just there's nothing much to it and the thing is that i've really really learned is a lot of these friendships and these things that you see are nowhere near what you actually think they'll be like and i know that you guys hear this so much from so many different celebrities on like um social media pages and whatnot where they talk about how you know what a celebrity lifestyle is and how it's not actually what it seems or how everything on social media is not actually what it seems. I bet y'all have heard that, but really, really, it isn't. And I'm a normal person saying this. I'm no one special. So I'm telling you, like, I've sat on the outside and I've been on the inside. I've seen both ends of having lots of friends and having no friends. And I can confirm to you that, indeed, even when you have a lot of friends, there is so much mess that goes on. And if your circle is not a circle that you know that you can trust no matter what, you're out here to play yourself and you're out here to put yourself at risk because you're not setting yourself up for success. Especially if you know that the people around you are not people that you can 100% trust. If you can't trust someone, there's a lot of really, really big risks about them not necessarily wanting good for you. They'll clap in your face, they'll support you in your face, and then behind your back, they'll be a completely different person. So it's not easy to constantly trust people, especially when you have a big friend group. So it's okay to have two, three friends that you honestly trust. But when people are, you know, friends with nine, 10, 12 plus people, and it's a big old circle, y'all hanging out every day, I feel like it's really, really important sometimes to keep a check on who you can actually trust and who you actually 
cannot trust because sometimes we get so blinded by the joyfulness of the group that we don't realize that there's actual actually hidden some toxicness within everyone and within the way that they treat you you know i've seen girls that like will literally post instagram pictures and be like oh my god besties sleep over whatever right and then like they'll be talking trash about each other and it's like how does that work or like they'll be talking about trash about like each other's boyfriends and whatnot like how does this work so is it like a friendship for the gram and essentially kind of i hate to say that but that's what it is like stop looking at it from like a superficial aspect and be really rational and honest it's it really is a friendship that you keep out of dire desperacy because you want something to do although quite frankly you know that company's toxic and it's it's funny because a lot of them know that one another are toxic but they don't stop being friends with each other because it's just, again, it's just one of those things that you have a fear of missing out. You have a fear that what am I going to do if I'm lonely? What am I going to do if I don't have anyone to go out with? So it's a fear of missing out. And that's what makes you stay in certain situations where you know that you shouldn't even be staying in. And when you're Muslim, and automatically you don't fit in. Especially when you're a girl wearing the hijab. People ask you a thousand different questions. There's nothing wrong with questions. There's nothing wrong with being curious. But sometimes people have asked you questions that are just very, very underlining shady. Like they'll ask you questions that you know are just... They seem a little bit off and it's not easy to deal with that because at the same time, you don't want to call them out for it because you don't know if they're being curious or if they're just being shady and you always just have to be nice, especially when you're Muslim. That's a part of our faith. But because of your hijab, you know, people, they are really, really quick to single you out because you're not like everyone else. You don't look like everyone else and you're not that of an easy target. When people see people wearing hijab or girls wearing hijab, I guess I should say, they automatically just kind of think, okay, what is she like? Is she like the super extreme Muslim? Like, is she like a terrorist? Or is she like cool? Like, what is she like? And especially when you live in a small town, you'd be shocked the questions that you hear. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, really. But some of the questions that I hear, I'm just like, hmm? Like, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. So it's very easy for people to single you out or make wrong assumptions on you. And if anything, you should never let anyone's assumptions get to you. I said this in a previous episode, like... People have their expectations of you and people have written your story. A lot of our story is written by someone else. We had someone else decide what is good for us, what's bad for us, how much we will succeed or if we will even succeed or if we'll be failures or if we're smart or dumb. And we have this all written out by someone else and we don't actually realize that it's written out by someone else. So you constantly live your life and other people's expectations and other people's thoughts because you actually don't know yourself and you don't actually know your creator and you have never actually embarked on a spiritual journey. When you think you're finding yourself and you're traveling to a bunch of different places doing new things, you are just finding new hobbies. You're not actually finding yourself because to find yourself, you have to find God. And I feel like if you've been on a journey to find yourself and you haven't found spirituality and God and religion, then I feel like you've left a very, very big gray area of actually figuring out your innate soul and your insides and what makes you you because we all have something, you know? And if you like to deem your personality and who you are to just the surface being, then yeah, sure, saying that you love to travel and you love to have hobbies, you love the gym, okay, cool, whatever. But there has to be more to you. There has to be more to every single person than that. And I feel like the thing is when you see people that are non-Muslims that maybe they have a faith, but maybe they barely practice it, or maybe they're just straight up atheist, they don't necessarily have a lot going on inside. They may go through depression and emotional phases and whatnot, but when it comes to the actual discussion of soul, it is a very scary one for them. 
Like dead even, when the topic of modesty comes up, it's the topic that they don't like to talk about. I was once talking to a girl. She's sweet, got nothing against her. I don't even really know her like that. Whatever, we were talking about modesty. And I was very, very blunt and honest about it because, you know, when you're the only girl in school who's dressing a certain way that isn't the same crop tops and skinny jeans, people notice and people stare. But we once had a discussion on modesty. And, you know, I was like, this is just the decision that I like. This is the decision that, you know, religiously, this is according for me. But also, I just feel like it just makes me feel the best. And that's just my intake on modesty. Like, you feel better knowing that not everyone knows exactly what you look like. Not everyone has the access to what you are, how you dress, what is your shape. Like, it's just special. Islam makes women like gems, literally. Like, we are so well kept. We are supposed to be, you know, so loved and cared for and islam really protects women especially when it comes to the sense of modesty lowering your gaze and whatnot like yes you know the discussion of rapists is always a discussion that comes while wow, that sounded blunt but you know the thing is when it comes to modesty the first other word that people like to really really bring in is rapists and you know, rape and things like that. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because a lot of times people will automatically debunk modesty and say, well, just because you're modest, that doesn't mean that like that's going to stop a rapist from raping you. So you might as well just wear what you want because they're going to have their motive regardless. Yeah, 1000%. I agree. If there's someone that wants to have that has bad intentions, they're going to do it. But let's not sit here and act tone deaf and act like, you know, dressing modest doesn't protect you. Let's not. Because quite frankly, forget the extreme case of a rapist because a rapist is going to do what he wants regardless okay there are some countries you know islamic countries where women are walking out in burqas and niqabs and they're getting raped so really it's it's a it's a men problem it's a men thing but when it comes to your everyday casual guy that is in school or your everyday casual dude does that work you are protected from them and their gaze, and their bad intentions, because whether or not every guy puts it on the outside, not every guy's bad, that's not what I'm saying, but we all have, like, desires, we all have intentions, and when you dress a certain way, that can very, very much provoke that, so don't, don't act like it doesn't exist, and I really, I hate saying this, because people, they automatically jump to hate on girls that talk about this, but it's tone deaf for you to sit here and act like modesty does not protect you from every single person's eyes. It does. And it, honestly, and if anything, I feel like it makes you special. People automatically view modesty as oppression. And they think that if you're modest, you are oppressed. Because what woman in today's society would not want to go out there and show her body for compliments, attention, and more for her own self-confidence? But that's the point. Everyone does it. Everyone's doing it. And quite frankly, no one's actually happy. Doesn't it sound mad mean? But did you guys notice that as time went on and the more and more skin that we started showing, the more and more insecure girls have gotten? Because the more that you show, the more that you see, the more that you become self-cautious. When back in the day, you know, they used to just dress modest, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I bet they had insecurities 1000%. But now we have girls that are like starting at the age of nine. They see girls on Instagram, or even especially when you're 15, 16, 14, like those girls, they see models, they see certain things, they see them dress a certain way, they're like, why don't I look like that? So it becomes a process of gaining lots of insecurities because 
the more skin that ends up being showed really just in generality between the girls and between, you know, social media and whatnot, the more and more it makes people self-cautious because they don't look that way. And that's, again, where that topic comes back into where things that you see online are absolutely not the way that they actually are in real life. And even if they are, what does that have to do with you? Why are you comparing yourself to them? So as the more skin that we've shown, let's not let's not beat around the bush. We've all gotten a lot more insecure because it makes you worried that you don't look like this person. And you see people in the comments lusting over them, hyping them up, saying like, girl, you're so pretty or guys in their DMs. And you're wondering, like, they're getting all this attention. It's because of their body. It's because of the way that they're showing themselves. It's because they look so good. Let's be dead honest. Through an Instagram picture, you don't know nobody's personality like that. Unless, 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 unless they're like some YouTuber, you know them. They vlog, but even then, people only show you what you want to see. So through an Instagram picture, really, you don't really know somebody's personality and depth of soul. So quite frankly, everything that's being done in the comments and all the lusting, it, it is what it is. It's for the body. And don't you feel like you as a woman, and especially being Muslim, you hold so much more value than that? Than being complimented for what you look like? There's nothing wrong with the girls. The girls that do that, do you. I'm not insulting you. I'm not trying to be mean. But I'm trying to put a perspective in to my Muslim girls. Don't you feel like you deserve more in life than to have people respect you and be kind to you only if you're pretty and only if you have a good body? Don't you feel like as a human being, you deserve respect naturally for who you are as you are? Before anyone even gets the chance to know you? And I think yes. I think every girl, whether she's not Muslim, whatever, I feel like everyone deserves that. But I feel like with what's going on today in society and with regards to, you know, showing skin, whatever, and all that, it's become hard. Because if you're pretty and you have a pretty body, you're automatically respected a lot more. Because people will treat you better because you look better. Let's not act like that doesn't exist. Pretty privilege. It's a thing. It is a it is a freaking thing. Yes, it is. Because when you're excessively pretty and you fit into the standards, people will raise you to a pedestal that other people that may be modest or may, let's say, in regards to society standards, may not be quote, quote, pretty, will not be able to get up to. Because for those people to get on a pedestal, they're going to have to get to be known. People are going to have to actually understand their personality. That if people say they have a good personality, they're like, oh, yeah, she, she's cool. Yeah, yeah. Then people start respecting you. Unlike this other girl who, when she's automatically pretty, she's already on a pedestal. So it's a problem. And I'm not saying this to criticize girls. And honestly, I feel like all girls, y'all are beautiful in your own way. Because society has their own set limits. That doesn't mean that if you don't look like what people want you to look like, that doesn't mean you're ugly. No, that's not how that works. But pretty privileges honestly it's it's a dead real thing and girls deep down know that and the girls that deny it on the outside i just feel like they're doing it to be tone deaf but deep down they know that too and if you guys have not noticed this already let's be dead honest here men respect women that are prettier a lot more and the sad cases within men and i'm not trying to criticize men but really there's two groups of girls and the problem that comes to be is th they're the girls that show skin that they don't really care about modesty they live love have fun whatever and then there's the girls that are modest and you know they have haya whatever and what comes is that a man is actually attracted to girls that necessary a man that may not be on his dean by the way is more attracted to girls that show skin and are a lot more open but deep down they know that they have to be with a girl that has more modesty 
because that is what is better for their own being and you know whatnot because they don't want to be with someone like that but what happens is actually it's it's a two-way sword because modest girls always end up getting cheated on by girls that are the opposite and girls that are the opposite get cheated on by girls that are modest so really it runs both ways so this is where that discussion of you know finding a man that's on his dean and whatnot that comes into play because quite frankly it works both ways and i'm not trying to criticize one group over the other or say that girls that show their skin are the worst human beings on earth i'm not criticizing in a negative way and i don't want anyone to take out a clip of this and be like oh my god she's you know shaming us no i'm just saying logically don't act like you don't know this exists so many times especially on muslim tiktok i've seen cases where guys will be with girls that might not necessarily be on their dean and they'll be dressing doing whatever they want and then they'll marry a girl that's the complete opposite yet quite frankly they won't necessarily be attracted to the girl that's the complete opposite they'll still want her but on the outside to please their parents to please whatever they will be the girl they'll be with the girl that's modest so it becomes a problem when there's two groups and men themselves are always fluctuating between that I'm not trying to criticize all men. Y'all know that I'm not one of those girls that sit here and says, all men are trash. No, no, that's not how that works. You know what I'm saying? That's not how that works, especially not in Islam. No, there's good people out there. And for that, you have to also make sure that they're on their dean. Because if they're on their dean, this really won't be that big of a concern. Coming back to the original discussion, when you dress modest, that automatically singles you out. Because people don't actually want to care to get to know you because you look different. And it's strange that we still have this problem, like you know, different. Like, she looks different. Let's not be with her. Or that person is a different skin color. Let's not hang out with them. Like, what does that even have to do with anything? That's nothing to do with anything. You know what I'm saying? But people still like to do that. And unconsciously, they categorize people. And it's funny because on the outside, they're activists. They're, you know, standing against oppression, standing against racism, whatever. But then on the inside of their brain, they're classifying people. Oh, this girl is black. I don't want to hang out with her. This, this, that. This, is that. Like, they're categorizing people. And that's so wrong because there, there's just no scene of even needing for that anymore. There's no need for it. And I feel like mankind as a whole has grown so much intellectually that if you still continue to keep beliefs like that, it's because you're ignorant and nothing else. You have no reason to be keeping beliefs like that. When it comes to fitting in, you're never going to fit in with what everyone else wears and what everyone else dresses and how everyone else looks like. And quite frankly, you don't need to either. Because if Islam tells you not to do something, honestly, it's for your protection. It's for your protection. There's nothing that's haram that isn't haram because it won't protect you. It will always protect you. It will always be good for you. Haram is always harmful. Always. So there's no shadow of a doubt in that. Always. So it's really, really easy for girls that dress modest and they're not showing their shape or whatnot to feel jealous or feel upset or just feel kind of disheartened because they're not being treated the same. But what you need to remember is that your favors, your expectations, your respect, your love, your everything comes from God. You know, if God willed, he can make all the angels and everyone love you. And if God willed, he can make everyone hate you. So really... This concept of respect and glorifying and, you know, looking up to people and privilege, privileging people. This is something that it's, it's really in Allah's hands. And if you see someone going through that and they don't deserve it, then just know that sometimes Allah gives people this life instead of the next. 
maybe you're going through a really hard time right now and you're an amazing person and you dress modest and you're on your dean but everyone hates you it's okay that doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad person again it's in the hands of allah this is all decreed by allah and maybe allah's not necessarily giving you the best in this life but he will in the next so there's always a ratio there's always something that comes out and one other thing really that we hear a lot as hijabis is they say if you want a job you need to take off your hijab because the hijab like it just apparently causes problems and apparently it's like a whole issue and da 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 makes people feel uncomfortable and it's it's something that we've all heard so many times in our life that if you want to be successful you want to get a job you want to get into a good college you want to pass interview take off your hijab because that way you'll look like everyone else and then you'll get in and it just doesn't sit right with me because at the end of the day with this mentality we believe that people are the one that give us risk that give us wealth but that's not the case at all wealth and risk and what not comes from allah and if allah wills he can tighten up the whole earth and you will find money nowhere written for you nowhere you can apply to 25 jobs in different countries and be everywhere and you will not get a job because risk and wealth and all these things they're written by god they're not by the people and if God willed, you could be someone who might not even have the proper credentials to get the job, but you can skyrocket an amazing job because the wealth is from God. It's not from people. So stop expecting that people control this wealth. People control, you know, the way that everyone perceives you. No, this is from God. And quite frankly, sometimes being Muslim, you're going to go through really, really hardship. You're going to go through a lot of hard times. There is a hadith where they talk about how sometimes holding on to your religion and whatnot will be like holding on to a burning coal. And it's not easy to hold on to a burning coal because when you hold on to a burning coal, it's burning your hand. And you instantly just want to drop it. And that's the thing. That's sometimes what religion is like, especially with the comparison I just gave. Your hijab in the scenario, you want the job, you decide to drop it. That's, that's not a good fit because in this, ma in this manner, you're trying to fit in for that job. Because you know that the money will come that way. And you are put in no other condition. But this is something that you should never ever compromise on. Because this wealth and everything else comes from Allah. It doesn't come from people. Moreover, you know, when you're working and applying to a job, if they're not accepting of a hijab anyway, honestly, I feel like there's no reason to even work there in the first place. Because what are you even going to get from working from a company that's like Islamophobic? And you know, sometimes companies, they're really Islamophobic, but they like to like hide around, beat around the bush. Our employees feel unsafe, but I have no problem. Shut up. Tell your employees to start feeling safe then. It's not like I'm going to do anything. But you know, people, they, they do it for a reason. They have their own beliefs. Okay, go ahead, whatever. But you don't need to work there. Another really big thing is honestly generally praying. Like when you're on your dean and you need to pray. It doesn't matter if you're at the mall or wherever you are. You low-key start to get panicked. You're like, I need to go home. I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to pray on time. Like, Or there's certain people, like, you know, like they don't, Maybe they don't like to go home to pray. They just kind of pray in their car or in like a dressing room, wherever in the corner. Mashallah. You know, like we all have a system. We all need to pray on according prayer time. And what happens is sometimes when you're out in public or you're with friends that may not necessarily understand that, whether they're Muslim or non-Muslim, whether, you know, they're strictly practicing or not, sometimes they don't understand that. So when your urge comes that I need to go pray, I need to go, you know, do this and that, they stare at you like you're crazy. They're like, come on, girl, like, there's a sale going on. We don't have time. Let's go. This can wait. You do this every day. You do this five times a day. There's tomorrow. And again, it becomes a fear of missing out. 
that my friends are going to go have fun. They're going to all catch this sale. They're all going to go out and do this. But I have to pray. But honestly, think about it. Everything that you have a fear of missing out on while being Muslim is something that won't even last. It's temporary. Every single thing is temporary. Going to parties, clubbing, you know, going shopping excessively, going out every single day, having relationships, haram relationships, adulteries, and anything. It's so old, temporary. But what you do religiously and what you refrain from is not temporary. It's permanent. Because when you do it, you know, God, it's it's recorded. And you will be accounted for it. You will be given the right fully owned things on the day of judgment for how you reacted. So it's not like it's going to waste. But the time that you spend at the club or committing adultery, that is that time's gonna go to waste and after that's not gonna come back again. There's nothing you can do again. So what people do is they plan again for next Friday. They're like, Oh yeah, we're gonna go again next Friday. Do you see how much of impatientness there is in this lifestyle? I was thinking about a word, but it's a it's a Urdu word. It's kind of like I kind of want to, I guess I could say emptiness. Do you realize how much emptiness there is in this lifestyle? Like that you go clubbing on Friday and you commit adultery and whatnot on Friday. Then you pack it up. You're like, man, that was fun. That was great. Okay, what are we doing next Friday? Where are we going next Friday? Like it's, it's automatically what's next. Like there's no feeling of content in this at all. So it's it's not anything that lasts. It doesn't even last on this earth. What makes you think going to go on after? There's people that commit all these things. They're not even satisfied for an hour. They're thinking about planning it for tomorrow, the day after, or Friday, or whatnot. Like, there's no contentment in it. But what you're doing, there is. Not only will it make you feel content on this earth, it'll make you feel content in this hereafter. So whatever you're doing, it's a double win. As compared to what they're doing, it's a one-way win that is a stab by a sword. There's no, there's actual no win to it. It's a one-way sword. You have fun. You get stabbed by that same sword again because you're not content. You already committed sin. You're planning again. What am I going to do the next time? What am I going to do the next time? There's actually no feeling of fulfillment in it. And these are people that chase their desires. So clearly your desires don't always want what's good for you. So when it comes to your prayer, don't ever be that person that is neglecting it because the people around you don't understand. You know, not a lot of people will understand. And it's sad because there's some Muslim kids that are like that. But honestly, prayer has a lot to do with habit. And if you grew up praying very frequently, or you are someone who, as they got older, they realized the importance of prayer, and then they decided to associate themselves with it more and, you know, become frequent in it, then you exactly know what I'm talking about. That prayer, missing prayer, is not easy at all. Because Allah, Alhamdulillah, blesses us with guilt in our heart. So when you feel that guilt, you automatically know that, like, okay, I gotta do what I gotta do because... Anything that I do right now externally in this world is just not going to make me feel happy. And I know exactly like that's not an easy feeling to feel because when you feel guilty inside about missing a prayer, you will try to act like it's not a big deal. Like it's one prayer, like I'll get over it, like it's it's cool. And you will continue with your life on the outside, but inside you won't feel fulfilled. And so you will constantly try to be doing different things to make that empty gap feel fulfilled. And really there's no solution. Just get up, make up the prayer. It's okay. You messed up, it happens. Don't be so bitter to yourself and neglect yourself from such a beautiful gift that God has given us, which is prayer. 
Another big one is honestly haram relationships. Because when you see everyone around you like getting into relationships or even just having friends that are of the opposite gender, you start to think like, okay, this is normal or is there something that I don't know about this and how haram is it actually? Like if I have a guy friend and I'm just talking to him... Like, you know, catching up, just hanging out. Like, it's, it's not that big. Like, I'm not doing anything. But the problem that happens is this is how the doors of Zina open. The doors of adultery always open because there were barriers of avoidance that you could have taken and you didn't take them. No one wakes up and goes commit Zina with someone they love. That's not how that works. It's a process. And slowly but surely you get to know that person or you start texting more or whatever. That's how it leads to that. So there's a lot of gates and when you don't avoid those gates and you just keep running through, you end up at that position. So people automatically like to think that, you know, being friends with a guy, it's not that big of a deal. You know, keep your distance, whatever, whatever. But you're not understanding that regardless of whether this person's a good person or a bad person or whatever their intentions are, we don't know that. And scientifically, forget religion for a second. I want you to go on YouTube and type in, can guys and girls be friends and watch the first video. It was recorded on a college campus. Watch the first video. It has nothing to do with the religion. Every single girl said, yeah, guys and girls can be friends. And every single guy said, no. And when they were asked why, the guys instantly said, I don't like her, but if I had a chance to get with her, I would. I don't like her, but if I had the chance to do it with her, I would. And that's what every single guy said in a different form. And when the girls found out, they were shocked. And that's the thing. It's not it's not that easy and as on surface as people try to make it seem like it is because you don't ever know anyone's intentions and then people always bring up their cases. I had a guy best friend nine years, twenty years, never did anything like that. He's married, he's okay, cool good for you. But what you're not understanding is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your case is, God never made it lawful. So you are already transgressing God's boundaries. So that is something that you need to keep in and bear in mind and honestly Girls always use the excuse that I like to be friends with guys because they're less drama. But honestly, that, that's invalid. Because if you find the right group of girls, I promise you, like, you will be set. Guys are a whole lot of drama themselves, too. Like, when they want to fight someone, they will go all out. And they will chase them down blocks. Like, guys ain't any less. They really aren't. And if anything, I feel like you just can't talk to a guy about everything that you can do with a girl. And I get it. That some guys, that maybe they're good at listening. They understand your problems, whatever. But... There's just nothing like the same gender understanding you a lot better, especially Islamically when it comes to your morals and obligations. It's not something that befits. And the problem is when you go to a school where people aren't Muslim and they try to become friends with you, it becomes a little bit difficult because you don't necessarily understand how to tell them, hey, like we can't be friends. But it's something that you kind of have to at least distance yourself away from and try to avoid unnecessary conversation to your best ability, especially when you're in school and you have group projects and classes and assigned seats. Like I understand it's not easy, but you do have to at least try best on your end to do unnecessary talk, not to do unnecessary talk. I know that we can slip up. I know that it's not easy, but you know, it's a lot about intention and that plays a really, really big role in everything that you do. You don't miss out by not being in a haram relationship. You don't. There's nothing in a haram relationship anyway. I have so many episodes where I talk about haram relationships. You never get anything good out of it. You never do. No one's actually ever that committed. No one's actually ever that considerate. And if they were, they would not make it haram. Whether you're with someone that is a believer or a kafir, I, you know, disbeliever, I'm just saying. 
they would make it committed. If it was a disbeliever, he would realize that this is not fit for your religion and he would take a step back and reevaluate what's what's happening and what what do they want to do. They would end it there. And if it was a Muslim that actually cared about you and you're dating another Muslim, he would take a step back and realize that your ahira and his ahira are very, very vital. So this is not that easy of a game. So quite frankly, avoid, 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 avoid. You don't miss out anything. You don't miss out anything. And you know, one thing that I really, 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 really find interesting is when you're in your teen years, you know, like people, they date, like they date, 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 like they have someone new every four or six months and they have so many quote, quote, high school sweethearts and whatnot. But one thing that I feel like people forget is when you're in your teen years and you're constantly dating, you're not having any time for yourself. Taking out three months to be in your season of singleness, quote, quote, ain't enough that ain't no season baby that's three months a season of singleness is a season like we're going at it and seasons is with the s at the end we got seasons of singleness not a season like y'all 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 catching my wave like i bet y'all have seen that where they're like oh i'm in my season of singleness or some girls like i've been in my seasons of singleness with an s at the end like you've been single for three months stop and it's it's unfair to yourself too because you think you know yourself. You really do. You think you're busy and bad and you know that you don't want a guy that's toxic and you don't want a guy that looks like this and like you know what your wants and dislikes, but you yourself don't even know what you like when it comes regards to your goals and when it comes in regards to what you feel like you're capable of doing, you do not even know your own trajectory and how and what you want to become and whether you are living your story or someone else's, your expectations or someone else's. What are your goals on this earth and what does your soul want? That's a very, very big question. But instead, you're a teen and you keep dating and dating and dating and dating because you think that this is like the depth of it. Like, you know, like this person's my world and all of this stuff like stop you don't even know what your soul wants and that's the problem majority of the time you don't even know the depth of your own self your own being but you are in love with someone else and you're constantly dating and look there's nothing wrong with liking someone but you have to go about it the halal way right so i'm not saying that emotions are like you know bad that's not that's not what i'm saying it's about how you react to those emotions and what you do to make those emotions halal but if you're sitting here dating and then when your 20s come and when your 30s come especially when you turn like you know 25 and maybe you're not dating anymore and you realize like oh crap i wasted all my teen years with guys that aren't worth it with guys that are toxic and me not even knowing what i want now i'm sitting here trying to reprogress and do the realization that I should have been doing when I was in my teens if I just compared to being alone and was just on the dean that I'm doing now. And there's nothing wrong with doing it in your 20s because at least you realized, right? There's some people that go to their grave they never even realize it. So don't be upset that maybe you realized late what you were doing was actually wrong. Be grateful that you realized in the first place. But if you are 18 right now, I'm telling you, logically, you're wasting your time. And if you don't believe me and you're so adamant that I love this person, I love this person, like they will never leave me. Okay, tell them to make it halal. Tell them to make it halal. And then you'll hear 10,000 different excuses. We're too young. I don't have a job. I don't have, you know, I still have to go to college, whatever. And yeah, yeah, I agree. Those are valid things that happen. But if there's a will, there's a way. There always is. Trust me, there always is. And I've talked about the prophet, peace be upon all them stories on here so many times. So many of them didn't have a job. They were running away from such horrible things. They were going through a lot, but they made it work. So I don't want to hear no excuses. I really don't. And majority of the time, men are just too scared to bring it up to their families. They just are. 
they, they really are and you guys are too scared to bring it up and i understand like it's not easy because your parents can reject the idea and say no but at least bring it up so you're not sitting here in haram committing haram doing wrong things and automatically when you bring it up to make it halal you better see the way that they run you better see and if they don't run and they give you an excuse and you tell them like hey okay get it done in fix six months two months five months unlikely they won't be able to and if it's someone committed then they will and this is exactly how you test the loyalty of someone you put them in circumstances where they have no choice but to be loyal and to be honest and consistent because marriage is a very very big contract and it's very easy to date it is so easy to date dating is easy marriage is hard marriage requires so much more respect so much more that goes into it as compared to dating you know, like you can go to 7-Eleven, get a couple slushies, watch the sunset, and you bonded. And it's easy, it's whatever. But when the discussion of bringing your parents come, when the discussion of giving respect, what do you want to raise your kids like comes in, what does your soul want? What is your religion and how do you practice it? What are your biggest fears and what do you feel like you are failing at in life? What are your projections? When these questions come up, then you don't know. And when you start to ask these questions and you see that this person is someone you don't even want, forget the 7-Eleven slushies. Girl, you just dated someone that wasn't even worth it in the first place, okay? And that's the thing. When you're at your teen age, you really think you've reached your depth. And some people have, and I 1000% agree. I'm a teenager myself, and people say that things that I say are very, very helpful to them. I'm not disagreeing with that. And I'm a strong believer that knowledge has no age. 1000%. 1000% knowledge has no age. For the longest, with the age that I'm at, I'm 18 recently, alhamdulillah, I turned 18 like a week ago. I always have people tell me, especially when I was 17, that you're too young. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't you think you shouldn't be talking about this? Don't you think that you're a little bit too invested in Islam? Like I've always heard people take my opinions and take whatever I have to say and shove it out the window only because of my age. So trust me, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to the fact of knowledge has no age. If you have a will and you have an intention to gain knowledge, you will get it regardless of whatever age you're at. Don't gatekeep knowledge to age. Yes, maturity brings lessons, but that doesn't mean that knowledge is not for everyone. It is for everyone. So yes, you will see kids that have been through trauma, depression, abuse, and so many things at their younger ages. So when they become teens and preteens and whatnot, they have a lot of more depth in them. I 1000% agree. And there are some preteens and teens that know exactly what they want, that know what their soul wants, that know what they want for the ahira as well. Like they are well equipped. But that doesn't mean everyone else is like them. That doesn't mean the person you're going to get with is like them. And if God has blessed you with, I hate to say this, but if God has blessed you with a hard circumstances like trauma and depression that made you realize the depth of you and made you realize the depth of god why do you want to share such a vulnerable beautiful part and aspect of you with someone that won't even be willing to stay think about that that is something that is very very valuable god put you through these lessons god put you through this hardship god put you through everything god gave you this religion and you have so much depth in you but you want to be in a haram relationship you want to be with someone who just wants something for maybe five six months or maybe two years but then when time comes they leave you don't want that you know you you know you deserve more too and deep down a lot of girls that are muslim that do have depth and they do have knowledge and they don't they have all of this and they get into haram relationships even though they pray even though they do these things it's because they just want comfort because they have been through so many things they've been through so much depression so much trauma that they feel like they're going to find comfort in a haram relationship i really hate to say this but that haram relationship is just going to up up them trauma points because boy let me tell you when you do something that isn't allowed by allah you will get hurt always 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 
I have not talked to a girl who's ever been able to tell me my haram relationship made me happy and it benefited me. Mind you, I've talked to, alhamdulillah, nearly hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of plus people through this podcast around the world. I'm talking Malaysia, different states, like everywhere. And I've seen lots of cases of girls telling me about haram relationships. And trust me, I've never had one girl say, oh my God, I was all so happy. Or I am happy. No, I've always heard a complaint. I've always heard something. So trust me, you're not wise thinking that you're going to scoop up a guy that's going to, you know, be the one that you end up marrying and you're getting him and you're dating him to get him to know him for the sake of marriage. You automatically are putting yourself and him in a haram boundary and you're putting the thing at risk as it is. So you don't miss out anything there. Remember that. And when it comes to the discussion of fitting in, in, you know, your school environment and just your everyday environment, if you're not dating, you don't have guy friends, you wear a hijab, you pray, these things, people are automatically going to single you out because you aren't doing what other people do. But at the same time, you were never meant to do the things that you were, that other people do. As a Muslim, we are very, very different from everyone else. When you wear a hijab, it's not just I wear a hijab for modesty, for men, whatever. No, it's also about the fact that when you walk down the street, every single person knows that this person is a Muslim. And the biggest hijab that we don't talk about enough is the hijab of your character. What are you acting like? That is what matters. You know, I wanted to talk about something on here real quick. Just real quick. When the discussion of dawah comes up, I believe strongly that the best dawah is your character. And one thing that I learned and this is talking to people in revert chats, you know, having friends that took in their shahadas, all these different things, having people online, podcasts, shahadas, whatnot, just seeing all these different cases of people, is that I am not like someone that has like a certificate in dawah or anything like that, but I do, alhamdulillah, I try my best to knowledge and educate myself and share why Islam is the truth as regards to other religions with other religions' lenses. What some people do when they give da'wah is they put the lens of Islam on every religion and then they're like, this is why it doesn't make sense. I don't do that because I believe that if you're trying to figure out which religion is the truth, you need to look at the religion and its book, not anything else. That's it. Just what does, what does the religion have to offer and what does the book of this religion say? Forget about Islam for a second. What does this book say? And if you see that the book is not making sense, you see that the religion's not adding up, then you know where you stand with that religion. So I don't do that thing where you take the lens of one religion and you put it on all. I don't do that whenever I talk to people in regards to dawah. So what I've learned, and especially with the advice that I share on here, is that your character is the best dawah that you can ever offer. One of the things that I hate is when people give dawah and the first thing they start to mention, especially to my girls, is you have to be wearing a hijab, you can't be wearing tight clothes, you can't be no, you know, out here on the streets, you gotta drop them guy friends, whatever, and they're not saying it in a kind way. They're saying it in a rude, interrogating, degrading way they're saying it in a way to insult this girl as if this girl has not lived a life that was completely different from islam so what they do is instead of educating and giving dawah on why islam is the truth and why you should believe in the shahada they instantly start to interrogate interrogate her and belittle her they tell her like oh the way that you dress like you know you you would be categorized as like you know an everybody's girl you'd be considered this you'd be considered that like our community doesn't accept this, etc., etc., etc. And I'm not disagreeing. Yes, those things are true. You are supposed to wear a hijab. You are supposed to dress modest. You are not supposed to be hanging out with guys. 1,000%. 
But when someone is on the edge of faith and they're so confused what is the true religion, your job is to sit here and show them why Islam is the truth. Not tell them that they can't live up to the expectations of what a good Muslim is. Because the journey of becoming a good Muslim is something that even born Muslims go through. There are certain things that you can't stop doing or that you struggle to begin, whatever it is. We all have those things, but that doesn't make us bad Muslims. That just makes us Muslims that are trying. And that's the thing. We are all trying. So for you to sit on a pedestal, it's just insane in my opinion. Because these people, they barely are understanding the shahada. They don't even know how to pray yet. They don't even know like how to do wudu or like what is Ramadan. Like, they don't know about any of this. They're trying to learn, right? And they're reaching out to you to learn. And instead, what you tell them is, oh, yeah, you know what? Well, the way that you dress in and the way that you look in, <laughs> it's looking dark for you. You're going to have to change lots of things. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're not doing no dawah. You're pushing people away. Now, this doesn't mean, and I know that someone's going to try to take this out of context, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't educate them on what the expectations are 1,000%. But Islam is not a race. It's not a race. We are not racing against each other. We are all trying to become better for ourselves and for God. That's it. Now, just because you may struggle in your deen, you may have things that you struggle to let go, that doesn't mean that you should give up on Islam. Heaven is filled with people that were sinners that repented. That's the whole point. No matter what happens, you repent, you try again. Just because you are caught up in sin, that doesn't mean that that sin is not capable of being dropped. Prayer is the cure for sin. Dua is the cure for sin. And when you don't do dawah correctly, and you don't tell them about what does prayer do for your heart, and how prayer has the power to cure sin, and how hope and making dua, supplication, whatever, has the power to cure sin, but instead you're sitting here telling her that you're dressing bad, you have a boyfriend, break up with him, whatever, whatever, you're not making a dent. Again, you can let them know that what you're doing is probably not right, and those expectations might not fit well with Islam, those things are not allowed. But at least let them learn how to pray, let them understand what they're even, you know, getting into. And I just feel like when people give dawah like that, it's horrible because you think that you're really making an impact. But when you become super religious, and if that makes you bitter, recheck, recheck. Because becoming religious should not make you bitter. Yes, I understand you gain knowledge, you know that certain things are allowed, certain things aren't. There's a lot of wisdom that goes behind it, I get that. But that doesn't mean you become bitter to people that may not have been guided the way that you did. Just because you're good right now doesn't mean you can't die as a kafir. I don't know what you're on. You really can. Anyone can. I can. May Allah protect us. Oh my God. Seriously. But we all can. That's potential for anybody. And the person that you're sitting here right now making fun of and degrading, telling them that, you know, they won't be able to ever fit into Islam, they might be up in up in Jannah. Inshallah, you know, may Allah grant us all Jannah. But they might be up in Jannah while you are sitting there degrading them. So be wise about it and don't don't ever give dawah like that. Which brings me back to my point that the best dawah you can ever give is your character. When you present yourself in a beautiful way, in a kind way, in a patient way, in a manner that is likable and you are following the deen and whatnot, why won't people want to be interested in what you believe in? When I first came to school with everything going on and people were like, oh, she's what? Like she's Muslim? Like what is she? Like people had a culture shock when they saw me. I, I remained nice about it. 
because even though I knew people would think that I'm a terrorist or people, especially in a really Christian school where they literally have Bible clubs and they meet for Bible and whatnot. I knew that I'd get judged, but that doesn't mean because I am going to get judged by them, I should be shaken in my faith. Their judgment should not shake my faith. And you need to let people know that it doesn't matter what you believe in or it doesn't matter if the whole world around me becomes a religion that I don't believe in. I'm going to stand my ground onto what I believe in because I have such firm faith in my God. That is the point. Having faith and having a good character that you present to those around you. In the history of, you know, Islam and whatnot and to spread the deen, our beloved Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, you know, they went through a lot. There were wars. There was so many things that went down just for Islam to be established today. And, you know, so much that went in with, alhamdulillah, God's help. And here we are today. And you're ashamed. You're ashamed of being Muslim. Like, don't be ashamed of it. I At one point, I was hesitant because I was scared of what people were going to say. But, you know, people are going to talk regardless. You can be in your home and people are going to say, look, she's at home. She's so lazy. You could be going to work. People will be like, oh, they're working too much. You know, she should sit at home. You can be out shopping. People will be like, oh, you're always shopping. She's always wasting money. You cannot be shopping and people are like, oh, she's so stingy. Like, there's always something always so who cares about people and who cares about pleasing people and especially people that you're not even gonna see again in like a year and a half maybe two three months and if you're in high school you're in your freshman year and you have like four more years with these people okay what's gonna happen after those four years they're not gonna remember you and even if they go to the same college as you let me tell you college is just not that type of place where Whatever you cared about in high school will come forth. It just doesn't. Nobody gives a crap. College whoops you. The first day of college, you see them syllabuses from like four or five different classes. Yeah, that drama won't settle out on its own. So don't even worry about that. Don't bother pleasing people that you ain't about to see again. Another problem that we have is when Muslim women especially, they have a fear of not being good enough. And I know that some men as well. Because Already you're deemed less in society. Already you're deemed differently. Already you are treated differently because of your hijab, your appearance, your prayers, whatnot. And then sometimes they start to take people's reflections from the outside. And they start to put them on the inside. And they start to think, maybe I'm not good enough. And this has nothing to do with you. You know, when you choose to follow religion... People are going to leave you left and right, but you will be shocked the way that Qadr works and the way that those people will come back themselves. And if you're a revert or someone who's not Muslim and you don't know what Qadr means, it basically means fate in Arabic. Like you will be shocked the way that fate brings these people back to your face. Trust me, they always come back. And sometimes they come back for good, sometimes they come back for bad, but your fate will bring the people that that will need to be brought in trust me so don't even worry about it don't worry about not being good enough for people because again people are going to talk regardless moreover remember that you are more than good enough for yourself a person that chooses to embark on the journey of god and of religion will inshallah always be blessed with god's mercy and you should be proud of yourself for coming this far especially in a society which finds religion weird and crazy and made up and whatnot Coming back to fitting in with like society and character, you know, your character is also very, very different. Not just your appearance, the things that you follow, 
they become very, very different to people. Like when people go to guys' house and they have sleepovers or they just are friends with guys. They meet up with guys. They have guy friends in their groups and whatnot. And then like a guy's like, hey, you want to catch up? And you're like, I can't do that. I'm Muslim. People are like confused. They get so shocked, especially in the U.S. They get so shocked. They're like, uh, okay. And who cares? Who cares? You know, people, they're gonna judge you for that. And you don't actually ever know anyone's real intentions. Trust me. I found out so many things about so many people's intentions, just staying quiet and watching from the outside. So trust me, let people think you're weird. Let people think that you're oppressed. Majority of the time when people think that Muslim women are oppressed, they don't even bother asking if they are. Like if you are so caring for the oppressed and you are so you know, performance activist and whatnot, at least ask us if we're oppressed. And I can guarantee you, you'll hear no. You will hear no. And if a woman is oppressed, she's oppressed by culture, not by religion. So Muslim women are not oppressed. We really aren't. And we don't need you to sit here and try to tell us that our religion oppresses us. It doesn't. It's culture. If you want to, you know, help help out with the culture, speak up, whatever, okay. But don't sit here and act like you know everything. I'm like, you know everything in regards to religion. And sit here and criticize and judge and blame and whatever. As if you run this thing. You don't. And you have no say in it at all. You know what? Another weird thing that we just don't talk about is social media when fitting in. This is so random. But I know that right when I said this, I know so many people, like, they relate to exactly what I'm saying. When you're a girl and you don't post pictures of yourself on social media, just so non-mehrams don't see it. And again, I know that I have a lot of reverts and people that are non-Muslims that are listening, so I'm gonna start translating a lot of the Arabic words that I use. The term non-mehram basically means men that aren't, like, your immediate family or men that, like, you're married, like, a man that you're married to, basically. You know what I'm saying? So there's, like, certain laws and codes and whatnot of who and who cannot you know see your hair and see whatever right so some girls they like to go the extra parda and they like to which basically means like the extra curtain i guess you could say like the extra barrier and not post pictures of themselves because let's be honest think about this in a reality term you're a pretty girl and you're walking in the street and a man's just just staring at you like he's just staring at you like he's getting in on you getting close to you, just staring at you that's weird and social media is the same thing you post a picture of yourself we got dudes zooming in like it's mm, it's weird it's weird i can't do it it's weird and so when you put your beauty out there everyone is simping over you because of your beauty not because of your personality an instagram picture doesn't show a personality so they're simping over you for your beauty and you know one big trend that we have is hijabi fashion Put it together, hijabi, fashion. And don't get me wrong, mashallah, these girls, they're pretty. They really are. But in Islam, you know, girls, they're told to hide their beauty, to hide whatnot. And it's not to be oppressive. It's just because you're so valuable that not everybody gets the chance to see you. You could see everyone else, but not everyone can see you. And I think that that is so special because not everyone gets to see things that are rare or our kind of like sacred that's the word or like sacred treasure not everyone gets to see it so it is what it is i mean look not everyone gets to touch diamonds not everyone gets to touch pearls so i know that may seem like a cliche example but 
Not everyone gets to touch that. I can see everybody, but nobody can see me. Do you realize how low-key powerful that is? Like, you are here holding the upper hand. And since you hold the upper hand, people are trying to manipulate you and tell you that you're oppressed when you're not. And so when you don't post pictures of yourself on social media or you're not falling into the trend of hijabi fashion, be proud of yourself. It's really, really easy to see pretty girls that are wearing the hijab. They're dressing somewhat modest and they're like, oh my god. You know, people are gassing them up. They're so pretty. And whatnot, and you know, from their posts, they look like they're on the dean and whatnot. And again, we can't judge, but they're pretty, mashallah. You know, may Allah keep them pretty, but they display it for everyone. And so it becomes a little bit strange when you're a girl and someone follows you, or someone sees your Instagram page, and it's like blank, <laughs> or it's like pictures of like the sky or something else, and just like not pictures of you. People are like, Oh, you don't post pictures of yourself? No, I have a private Instagram and I don't ever post pictures of myself on there. And I only have close friends on there, like, you know, some of my girl besties and whatnot. But even then, I just don't post pictures of myself on there because it is just weird. I just don't see a reason for me to post pictures of myself for people to know what I look like now. Like, what does this have to do with you? You know, I, I'll see your pictures, but you're not going to see mine, all right? So God bless me with the upper hand. I'm going to use it. So I feel like when you sometimes, you know, see people that are famous on social media and sometimes even in school, like people are like talking about how good someone's Instagram is or they ask you for your Instagram and they're just kind of like, oh, why don't you post pictures of yourself? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's because I don't want none madams to see. They're just kind of like, huh? Like that, that's, that's weird. That's oppressive. And here's the thing. You're always going to find things that are not common in society oppressive because it's not common simple as that but that doesn't mean it's wrong that doesn't mean it's oppressive you're just simply weighing out your options and you're being wise about it think about how many guys would be in your dms right now if you posted pictures of yourself think about it your dms would be exploding that's the whole point you keep men like that away you keep men that are always ready to slide into dms and whatnot away from not posting pictures of yourself another problem that we have with fitting in is in regards to family and culture you know when i was growing up and i had friends and they're like hey let me come over to your house i was like oh and i got mad quiet because you know i'm pakistani well my family's from pakistan alhamdulillah and it's just different the food the clothes the environment it's just different and when you're desi or you're just middle eastern like it's just different. Like, you cannot, I'm sorry, but, and I'm not trying to say this in a racist way, but, like, when your white friend comes over, you know, it's, it's a culture shock for them sometimes, because they're like, what is this? What's happening? What is this food? It's not, it's not your, um, Thursday night tacos, you know, that's not how this works. So, they get kind of shocked, and the thing is, it's very, very easy to sometimes feel embarrassed of your family, which is something people don't talk about enough, where they feel embarrassed of their parents, they don't want to invite their parents to graduation ceremonies. They don't want people seeing their parents. Don't do that. Don't do it. You know, your mom and dad, if you're an immigrant, your mom and dad, they came from so far to see you succeed. They follow their culture. Sure, yeah, you know, living in the U.S., people might find that weird. But they are doing the best that they can. Be kind to your parents. Don't ever sit there and be embarrassed of your rich culture, of the beautiful, unique things that you bring with your culture. We are all from such different places, and we all have such beautiful things to contribute. And if you're open-minded, you're going to find every culture beautiful, and it is. You'll always find something in every culture 
that is unique, exciting, different, and fun. And those that are open-minded will understand that. They will. But those that are closed-minded, they're going to find it weird. They're just in their comfort zone. And honestly, they just cannot get out of their really basic lifestyle if they are afraid of different cultures like I def I genuinely know people that are like scared of other cultures like they're scared of the practices or the food or whatever I'm just like what is wrong with you like God has made us all from such different places with such different backgrounds let's start to learn these stories okay let's start to learn about them so for someone that may have come from a middle eastern background do not be ashamed of your family don't be ashamed of calling people over if you can let them learn about you and your culture let them learn about you when i first shared a story about one of my close friends that took her shahada and she converted to islam she was white and i mean she's cool with me saying that all of this but yeah you know when i first like we gave, I gave her her shahada, we did it at the park. And then after that, alhamdulillah, and by the way, that's all in the praise of Allah, I have no saying that, but she started coming to my house. Like the first time she came to my house was Eid. And I was like super worried. I was like, what is she going to think? No, she was super cool with it. Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless us all friends with like that, friends like that. But you know, she, she's done it all. Like she's seen, she's tried the culture food and it went great. She does not judge. You know what I'm saying? So invite people over. Not everyone's going to judge you. If you have good friends, introduce them to your culture. Introduce them to your family. Don't be ashamed that some of your parents may not know how to speak English fluently. It's okay. It's okay. They're trying the best that they can. And evidently, if your friends are not open-minded enough, you probably shouldn't be friends with them in the first place. The one big thing that I want to talk about before I close this episode, is getting left behind and getting walked over because of your generosity and your kindness. You know, the biggest fear that sometimes I have in life is I always think I'm not, I'm going to get left behind. I'm going to get left behind. I'm going to get left behind. So I rush and I always try to, you know, be punctual, productive, whatnot. I'm going to get left behind. But the question I sometimes ask myself is like, what am I going to get left behind in? Like life, life is going to move at its own pace. God is going to make life go whatever it needs to go. It's going to go however God has planned it for me. It's part of my faith. It's going to happen as it is. So what am I going to get left behind in? And sometimes I feel like shaitan, you know, the devil, he just makes you wonder and worry about things that you don't even have a say in. Like, what are you going to get left behind in? This world is going to move on for sure. But your life is written by some, written by God. And it's going to go by what God said and what God timing. You just do your best. You're not going to get left behind just because, you know, you're Muslim, you consider different, you're, just because you didn't get that job. It's okay. You will get what you deserve at the right time. And I have no shadow of a doubt in my mind that if you give up something bad, why won't Allah give you something good? I know that also being Muslim, you have to be a lot more kinder and you have to be a lot more generous to everyone because this is what our faith teaches us and it's not something that is easy to do because people will walk all over you. And I'm not saying that you should be a doormat, but when you see that someone's walked over you, then just distance yourself, cut it off, let it go. Don't be mean, don't be harsh back, try your best to control yourself in your best manner. You know, I know we all slip up, I slip up, just try your best to be kind to them. And don't let them walk over you in the sense that you see that it's about to happen again. Just distance away. You know, Islam does not want you to getting hurt over and over again multiple times by the same people in the name of generosity. No, you step back. You know that someone's toxic. You know that someone's bad for you. Step back. Don't sit here and allow yourself to get railed over because you are want to be kind. And there's nothing wrong with being kind if they need help. 
But realize that you can't befriend every person that comes in your life. Some people are just not meant to be your friend. They really aren't. Sometimes life is just better without them. You'll meet a lot of good people that are just not going to be meant to be part of your life. There's nothing we can do about it. And you'll meet a lot of people who will, you know, want good for you and you'll want good for them. But they might not actually pull through. You'll meet a lot of different people in life like that. But no matter what happens and no matter what people you meet, no matter how far behind, left behind you think you are, no matter how embarrassed you are of your culture, no matter what it is, God has never ever stopped loving you because of it. You know, as teenagers, we always go through that all of these things, really, these phases and these embarrassments. And we think this is the end of the world, you know, until you're old and until you're in your 20s and 30s and like... May Allah protect us, but you know, sometimes our parents pass away. May Allah really, really protect us and let that not happen. But it happens, then you lose, you know, your old close friends that you used to change things about yourself for. You lose in contact with your culture. You lose in contact with your deen. And then you start to think like, what's that? what was it even for? These things are part of your identity. And your identity is something that you get to decide what you want to associate yourself with. So don't don't listen to what people say. People themselves don't know what their identity is. They don't know themselves what they want. And if you were blessed with knowing, with raising, with being in it, why do you want to snatch that from yourself? Because people around you are, might make fun of you. You know, people are ignorant. They are. You see it on the news. You see it everywhere. People are ignorant. But that's a choice. Ignorance is a choice. And if someone decides to make that choice, they want to be stubborn on it, let them. Let them. You have a choice. Of moving on, letting them go, being wise and diligent about it. So there's a choice for everything, good and bad. And your free will and whatnot really plays a role in that. I hope that this episode benefited somebody. I hope that all of you guys are well. I hope that if anything is wrong, you guys feel free to come to my DMs. As my Instagram username is the same everywhere. I hope that you guys are well. Alhamdulillah. May Allah keep all of you safe. Assalamu alaikum.